0: Okay, so what um, we're going to do today is, it's like so different than what I thought I was going to do, but it really is just like a tying into dealing with our spirit and us awakening the spirit that God gave us. Um, I'm going to try to make this as simple and practical as possible. And I think uh, so many times we know the scriptures and we know you know, to quote them, we can say them, and we say them so repetitiously sometimes that we fail to really live them. And they've become more of just words, but not living words. And the words should penetrate you. It shouldn't be something that you can just read and just be like, okay, I got that done for the day, and move on to the next thing. In Isaiah, he had said that you see everything, but you see nothing and you hear everything but you really hear nothing and at some point in time we've got to see how that pertains to us that what are we really hearing and what are we really seeing but what are we really not seeing and what are we not hearing that god wants us to hear that the spirit wants us to see in him it's so easy to get in a routine of doing things and being saved for so long that it becomes very mundane and we try to stir it up, but the excitement that we once had is no longer there. The intrigue that we once had starts to fade away, and something has to be awakened in us for us to get back to where we once were or get to a place that we've never been because it should be a progression. It shouldn't be someone just always trying to get back to when we first got saved, it should be just trying to go to the next level and the next thing and new insight and new gaining and new strength and new joy and not being comfortable just staying where we are. We have to start living in a way that is moving and breathing and get out of our customary habits and and humdrumness that is so easy to fall into. Our spirit man must be awakened and given permission to guide us. If we don't say God, you get to be in control, you get to do it. He's not going to override us. You just let us go on our own path until we come to the end of ourselves. And at the end of ourselves, we will find him. But how long you stay in the wilderness is really your choice. Um, it's very easy to label what we do as God. And say this is God ordained. God told me to do this. And really it's just flesh on parade. God has stepped out of it a long time ago and we're still here doing the same old humdrum thing, acting like God approved it, and really he has nothing but disapproval. Let's look at Amos. And in Amos, God is very upset at the religious hypocrisy of the Israelites. Amos 4, 4 through 5. And it says, and I'm reading this from the Message Bible, it says, come along to Bethel and sin." And then to Gilgal and send some more. Bring your sacrifices for morning worship. Every third day bring your tithe. Burn your pure sacrifices, thank offerings, speak up, announce free will offerings. That's the sort of religious show you Israelites just love. And in verse 4, really it's a parody of a priest summons to the pilgrims. Usually it was an invitation to come worship in the sanctuary. So at this time, Amos is giving sarcasm and telling the Israelites, well, go on and go to your church, do your little religious feast, and go sin. Because really what you're producing to God is nothing but sin, because it has nothing to do with God. And Gilgal was where they first entered in, and that was a memorial of their interest into the land. So he's just like kind of mocking what they're doing and saying, go ahead and do your stuff, because that's what you people like. You like your hypocrisy. But all of these offerings, Amos charged them, had become a sham. Yes, they were doing the sacrifices. They had the rituals going. They had everything that they were supposed to be doing, what God ordained them to do. But it became a sham because the activities were carried out to try to impress others and not to fellowship with God. The Israelites would brag about their devotion about their day-to-day conduct, but that violated the spirit of the offering. It wasn't supposed to be for you to say, look how holy I am. Well, I gave, my, I gave my tithes, I gave my offering, I gave my sacrifice. It was supposed to be strictly about you and God, not you and everybody else. So let's look at one more verse. Um, Amos 5, 21 through 23. And I'm gonna read two different versions of this one. It says, I hate your show and pretense, your hypocrisy of honoring me with your religious feasts and solemn assemblies. And solemn assemblies were your restraints, all the stuff you don't do that you get to brag about that you keep yourself from. I will not accept your burnt offerings and thank offerings. I will not look at your offering of peace. Away with your hymns of praise. They are mere noise to my ears. I will not listen to your music no matter how lovely it is. And in the message Bible reads this way. I can't stand in your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Wow. What was missing was the love and the obedience. They did the rituals, but it lacked pureness of spirit. It was about just doing, but not being with God. We need to always question ourselves and ask God to examine our hearts to make sure we are being pure in His sight, and it's the heart of the matter. And since the heart is wicked and who can know it, only God knows how pure we're being. We have to ask him to reveal the ugliness of our hearts to ourselves. Amen. So am I doing this for show? I mean, really, why am I doing everything that I do? We have to question that ourselves and look deep and see where the real answer is. Again, I'm going back to the cross because the cross is just, has become my love affair. The beauty and the majesty of the cross is where salvation is gained. We must really look at our belief of the cross and what it it has really accomplished for us. We don't believe in total salvation. We only believe in a partial salvation. And to add insult to injury, we think we're responsible for the second half of our salvation, and that's us getting to heaven. We think that we have the ability not to do this, not to do that, to represent God this way, to show God this kind of thing, and that's what's going to take us to heaven. That's putting too much on ourselves. We have no ability to get us to heaven. What you do or don't do is not taking you to heaven. The only thing taking you to heaven is Jesus. So Galatians 2, 2 and 20. It says, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old, rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace, if a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. I don't know if we really believe that, though. Like, we really do think that our rule-keeping and religious programs is what is saving us. We've given too much credit to ourselves. See that. <laughs> I'm going to keep going in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it is obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus and clear focus in your life. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Now, we didn't told you about this sacrifice and what took place on the cross. Why have we forgotten it? Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Answer this question Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourself, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral strivings or because you trust him to do them in you? Now, we believe he's doing his stuff because we're so moral. We believe we get blessed because we live right. We believe if we sin, then he's going to punish us. Again, we put too much pressure on ourselves to think that we can provide salvation. You didn't start it and you can't finish it. But our arrogance wants us to be able to finish it. We want to be in step with God. We want to help him. And I don't know if it's noble or it's just... (laughs) our self-righteousness that doesn't want to give complete control to God to say, you saved me, and I'm going to trust you to save me wholly and completely. But we're, you know, it's that self. It's that thing that, you know, Satan has come in and fooled us thinking that we're so holy and gracious and, and doing the right thing, and we've just put all the focus on ourselves and said, okay, Jesus died on the cross, We're going to just leave him there. He got up. Okay. He sent me the spirit. Now I'm going to work the rest out. I'm going to help you, Jesus, because you need just a little help from me with our sinful selves. So Colossians 1. I'm reading a lot because I figure these words are far more powerful than my words could ever be. Um, 1 and 20. It was through what his son did that God cleared a path. For everything to come to him, all things in heaven and on earth. For Christ's death on the cross has made peace with God for all by his blood. This includes you who were once so far away from God. You were enemies and hated him and were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has brought you back as his friends. And I think a part of it, we don't think we hated God. We're like, I didn't hate him. I maybe wouldn't live for him, but I didn't hate the man. And then we don't give ourselves being evil. So we're like, oh, he's talking about, I don't know who you're talking about. He's not talking about me. It was easier for me to become God's friend because I wasn't that bad in the first place. I mean, I needed a little saving, but, I mean, I didn't hate him. I never said, you know, forget you. I just didn't know you. But in God's eyes, he saw us as hating him. Our thoughts are very evil. We're not really that in tune with God. You know we can get evil in a hot minute. 22. He has done this through the death on the cross of his own human body. And now as a result, Christ has brought you into the very presence of God. And you were standing there before him With nothing left against you. Nothing left that he could even chide you for. You today are standing in God's presence and God can chide you with nothing. We do not believe that. We don't believe in that kind of salvation. We believe maybe if we're in God's presence, but if he is, he's making a whole bunch of check marks against us. This scripture says, if we believe the scripture, our choice, uh, that we are standing in God's presence with nothing against us today because of the work that was done on the cross. The only condition is that you fully believe the truth. Now, that's the condition for you standing here in front of God with nothing against you is that you own, um, that you fully, fully believe the truth, standing in it steadfast and firm, strong in the Lord, convinced of the good news that Jesus died for you, and never shifting from trusting Him to save you. The moment we stop believing is the moment we fall back from God. It is our belief and trust in God's saving power that keeps us in God's presence. And we don't truly believe that. We keep jumping back and forth, saying, well, I'm a saved. No, I'm not saved. I was saved today, but not saved tomorrow. I was saved a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't fell from his grace again. And it's this, we are are scatterbrained. And we're double-minded. Because all of us want to believe we're saved, but we're not 100% sure. We want to say, oh, I know I'm going to heaven, but in the midnight hour we're saying, Jesus, I know I didn't done that. Am I going to make it? Because everything has become about heaven or hell. Everything has become about am I going to make it here or am I going to make it here? And it becomes my efforts that gets me to heaven. We can't do anything to get us to heaven. No matter how good we are, doesn't matter. Because you're never good enough. Because we're just sinners. And once we get saved, we don't want that label no more. I'm not a sinner. No, you're a sinner, saved by grace. That's all we are. So the moment we say I'm not a sinner no more, I sinned, but I'm not a sinner. Because, you know, we like to make the distinction. Like I lie, but I'm not a liar. You know, <laughs> You know that we like that little stuff we play around with to try to make ourselves feel good. Semantics, exactly. We just play around. But we are just sinners. We need to embrace the fact that we're sinners and we're corrupt. And it's nothing but God's mercy and grace and love that's curing us the rest of the way. And if we put all of salvation in his hands, we could be more in tune with the spirit because then the spirit could guide us and lead us and show us where we're supposed to go. We wouldn't be so consumed with, "Okay, am I going to sin? Am I going to mess up? No. Don't you trust the spirit to guide you? Don't you trust the spirit is not going to lead you into sin? We keep getting led to sin because we're living within ourselves. If we allowed the spirit to lead us, to guide us, we would have everything we need. It wouldn't be about, oh, God, am I going to make it to heaven? Of course you're going to heaven. The spirit's guiding you. He's going back home. Aren't you going with him? Come on Goodness. Goodness this is the wonderful news that came to each of you and is now spreading all over the world we stopped spreading the good news we got into the rituals and the habits and got out of jesus now we labeled it jesus and we said this is what jesus wants but it's not jesus anymore we got too much self-praise As long as we're not walking in faith, belief, and trust, the reality of the word will never be with us. Because we keep sinning, we cannot believe that we are standing with him with nothing against us. Because we know we're full of sin. The experience has not yet been seen, so we do not believe. Because we keep being fouled up, we believe that we are full of sin. Sin cannot enter into the kingdom. We don't see that God is the one that's cleaning us up every time we sin, so he don't see it no more. Because we we fail to believe, we fail to give the spirit control. It all goes back to belief. That's why if you don't have faith, you can't please God. That can't be a scripture that we just quote. We've got to get that deep in us that without the faith in who Jesus is, the faith of the gospel, not the faith that you believe Jesus is one, not the faith that you can speak in tongues, the faith of who Jesus is, his work. That's where the faith has to be. Otherwise, none of it matters and you can't please him. We feel to see the fruit of the spirit. We feel to add to our faith. We feel to grow in grace and truth. The spirit has to be in control for all of these things to happen. So we're wondering why? Why don't I have the fruit? What? What happened to my love and the peace and the joy and the gentleness? And the, because the spirit's not guiding you, it's just you guiding you, and you trying to create it. Well, I was faithful two weeks ago. <laughs> I was loving to them that day and we trying to create it within our own efforts and you got nothing. Right. The fact that you don't have it doesn't mean that it's not true. Just muster up that faith that we need to believe in. Help, Lord. <laughs> the spirit has to be in control. It is no power of my own. It is the gift Of God. We keep not wanting the gift. We're happy with the speaking in tongues. Because you know truth be told. We be conjuring that stuff up on our own. A lot of times. It's like we know the atmosphere is set for it. So you like. It becomes a little self involved. (laughs) As long as we're in our own strength. Masquerading as the Spirit, God cannot perform His work in us. As you believe you have a hand in salvation through works, you will be consumed with self and not God. And we are all consumed with ourselves. And that's why we can stand up and say, "I haven't done this for 20 years. I haven't done this for 15. I kept myself from that. It's all about you." And then we try to act like we really hold, it and we we'll say, "But it was from the, you know, the, the strength of Jesus." Let me just add that on in the end. I know it was Jesus doing it, but you sitting up here did all the bragging rights. I'm victorious. Who ain't sinned all week? Everybody raise their hand. Knowing we lying because we just sinners and we sin all the time and all that kind of stuff. And it's all about ourselves. It's not about God. In our efforts to stay holy and ensure heaven, we have displaced God from the throne, removed the power of the cross, and have begun to worship ourselves. Because the moment you get in the cell, you say, God, come down. You say, the cross was ineffective, and let me put myself up here. A large part of this happens because we put all our concentration on seeing hell, the devil, and our failings. We have devoted so much time to scare people out of hell, to tell us how powerful Satan is when his keys were snatched, and he was rendered useless. But we don't believe that either. Because we still talking about all the stuff he does. And how much control he has. And how we got to do this and that. Jesus took it. I thought you were one with Christ. So did we, are we not standing there with the keys? When we going to dangle the keys in front of Satan's face and say you are nothing. You already know you sat down. But we don't believe it, so we cannot execute it. But Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, and we've all read this. Summing it get all up, friends. I say, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful and not the ugly things to praise and not things to curse. We do the very opposite of this. He says meditate on these things. Put these things in your mind. Stop concentrating on everything that's foul and messed up. Is it true that all this evil bad stuff happens? Yeah! Is it true that heaven is, real? I mean that hell is real? Yeah! Is it true that the devil has the power there? Yeah, but he said, to concentrate and meditate on the things that are noble, the things that are good. Amen. How about us putting more effort on Jesus than on other stuff? Come on, That's powerful. The key for us is to be guided by the spirit. Only the spirit can keep us in tune with the father and make us ready for his appearing. God is spirit. Only the spirit can worship spirit. We keep trying to worship God with our own human efforts. And we need to employ the spirit to work through us to reach God. Don't forget what we read earlier in Amos. All the religious pretenses, he's not even seeing them. He doesn't even accept them. And we doing all this conjuring up week in, week out, making sure we're there early to show, you know, we really mean it getting dialed up and all this stuff for God, for God. And he's saying, go sit down somewhere. (laughs) I don't even hear you. When is it going to be about me and not about you? He sent the spirit to be able to commune with us because as flesh, we cannot commune with God. We don't understand the fact that this stuff that we do is not communing with God. Only spirit can talk to spirit. So if your spirit is not alive and talking to Jesus, what you doing is a sham. Right. And then who wants to say they're a sham? None of us. Because in our efforts we really think we're doing the right thing. We're trying. And the point is is that we're trying and we're not allowing God to be in control. Stop trying and give it over. Remember, it was the surrender. That's when Jesus had the completion, when he surrendered his will to God. Without the surrender, it's a sham. And each one of us know if we really are surrendered. We don't have to raise our hands and say nothing. But we know if we have surrendered our everything to God. John 14 and 26. This is what Jesus says. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Why don't we know nothing? Why are we walking around so stupid and just as ignorant? And we got the spirit in us that said he would teach us All things. And we know nothing. And then he said he would bring back to your remembrance everything I said. So that means that if you stay in tune with the spirit, you will then know, you will know the way that he wants you to go. You won't be all confused in your life. All this confusion and double-mindedness means we're out of step with the spirit. That is not from God. Us not living the life he gave us means we're not in step with God. This floating around doing all this craziness, that's us. And he's not accepting it. I think that's what we have to get in our mind. He's not accepting it. He's saying no. I'm going to give you four ways in which the spirit works. Number one, we serve with the Spirit. Romans 7 and 6. It says, but now we are discharged from the law and have terminated all intercourse with it, having died to what was once restrained and held us captive. So now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the prompting of the spirit and newness of life. It can't be our view that gets us in right standing. It must be the spirit of God prompting you to do all that you do. But because we have debt in the spirit and awaken the man, we don't even know what the spirit is saying anymore. So the spirit could be telling you to do something completely different than what you feel is Right. And it don't look like everybody else. And you're like, well, but that's going to go against what everybody say that Jesus look like. Well, we said we got to do this and that and be like this and that. And if we step from that, well, that couldn't be. And this is our questioning. That couldn't be God. Well, God wouldn't tell me to do something different because he likes robots. You know, he's a cookie cutter. He saved us all the same. we all supposed to dress the same. We're supposed to look the same. We're supposed to go to the same place. And we take away the multifaceted ability of God. The fact that he created a spirit to reside in all his children, and he created us all different. Don't you think he's going to do a little something different with each one of us? Amen. Right. Right. Why are we so scared to trust what the spirit has to give us. He's trying to get us back to where we were supposed to be. When he breathed in us and gave us his spirit and we became that living soul, he's trying to get us back to that authenticness, to that pureness. So when he died on the cross and he gave us his spirit to reside in us, he was getting us back to our original state. This is what I created humanity for, for you guys to amplify me, to show me in the land. And what we do, we just said, nope, I want you to look like this, I want you to be like that, and this is the only way to God. We just messed it all up. And because we're not familiar with the Spirit, we don't trust it. And it's like almost at the beginning of our salvation, the being in tune with the spirit gets crossed out. Like when we first got the spirit, it was when we were supposed to start working those muscles. But instead, we put all the rules on top of ourselves so that the spirit never could guide us to say, "Uh, that's not good for you. Oh, we may pull back. Okay, you need to go there. We got everybody in our ear telling us what God looks like. And this is how God wants you to act. And this is how God says you have to be. Instead of, you know, when, when we came to God, that conviction, that pulling he was doing to say, don't you want me? Hey, come over here. Life's going to be better. We were more in tune with, with Jesus before we got the spirit than we are now. Because he could speak to us then. And we actually believed what he said. When he said, "You know, you're kind of undone," come on, I got a little more for you. We were like, "Well, you know what? I don't want to do that stuff no more." Okay, that's lost its appeal. That was the spirit. Now he didn't sat in us, and we didn't just batten him. them. How did that happen? And I, you know, it was like I know it was the first efforts were noble like we didn't create the rules to try to get people away from god we created the rules to try to keep them in tune with god but we didn't realize that when we did that we took the power of the spirit away from god to do his work come on now why don't we trust god to save us like and it's so it's hard to get back to being just in tune with the spirit it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to sit back and let God lead me. And be quiet, shut my mouth, start talking so much, and just say, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? And if you do stuff that's contrary to what he wants you to do, he's going to tell you. You feel it in your spirit? You say, I know I shouldn't have said that. You don't have to get slapped upside. He just is a nice, gentle thing. Stop it. And we all know what it is. We feel it and hear it. But then what do we do? We have to line it up against the rule book and say, wait, did they tell me I couldn't do Well, no, that's not in the rule book. Well, maybe I'm okay with doing that one. Oh, but they said that one was wrong. But I feel okay with that one. Like the Spirit's not moving me with that. But because we don't know the Spirit, we sit here and we have to line it up against each other. Because you seem holy. You know, I see you up there coming to church every week. You know, you know you're married for a long time. And you, I haven't seen you really cuss out nobody or, you know, tipsy in the street. I figure you're doing the right thing. You know, like, and we say, well, let me, I can not compare myself to you. Good <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like we say, oh, I know they with God. How do we know that? We don't know who's with God and who's not. We really don't know. It's really between God and the person, and that's it. And if we could leave it with just God and the person, we could get out the way. If we could put our own salvation back in God's hand and take it out of everybody else's hand, we may get somewhere too. But it's a hard thing to do because the hold on that is strong. And like when Paul said, who has put a hex on you? We have a hex on us because we can't hear the spirit anymore. Who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you into this? And could you just imagine how sad the Jesus is? Just like, man, y'all, I didn't done all this stuff. I didn't win and die, I got beat up, I didn't put on all your sin and shame and guilt and every wrong thing you've done, I've carried it. I got forsaken from my father for you. Right, right. Me and him was cool. For you. And then you got the nerve, I didn't went to hell, I didn't fought with the devil, didn't have to snatch his keys, I didn't done all that to be able to give you back my spirit so that you can stand in the presence of God with me. Come on now. Now remember, because he went back up to heaven, sat on the right hand side of God, sat there with him. Now they in communion, and he said, I didn't brought you here with me. You're sitting there with me. And I'm talking to the Father on your behalf saying okay father let them all pass on that one you know these doggone humans they can't get it together (laughs) but remember the blood that i shed remember i surrendered for your sake i gave it up for you so they could be with us and we say no i'd rather have the rule book i'd rather make sure you say i look saved I'd rather have you say I got to, you know, rose in heaven than me knowing and God saying that's where I'm at. We so arrogant. Gosh, we arrogant. We have no faith to believe that the Spirit alone will lead and guide us into all truth and keep us from the snares of Satan. How foolish of us. How foolish. He snatched the keys and rendered Satan powerless. Why he got so much power? We gave him the keys back. We said, here, devil, this is the key. This is the key to me. Let me tell you how I work. And he like, thank you. I didn't have no power in your life. And now I got the power back. We are one with Christ. We have the same power as Christ. Do we believe that we are one with Him? That there is no separation between me and Jesus? We don't believe that. That's craziness. Yes, right. <laughs> you know? But we will only live that when we allow the Spirit to be in charge. That's the only way we will ever be able to live that. One with Christ, with our sinful, crazy, devilish selves. One. And He's happy about it. He's happy He has us. Remember, we were His glory. The joy that was set before him was us. He did all that because he's like, gosh, these people were wonderful. Wow. Wow. Number two, we know through the Spirit, and we receive revelation through the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him, but you've seen and heard it because God, by his spirit, has brought it out in the open before you. The spirit, not content to flint around on the surface, dives into the depths of God. And brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except yourself. The same with God. Except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. The spirit lets us in on what God is thinking. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he is giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God, who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand personal way. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing. We can't be judged by unspiritual critics. We can't be judged by the unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he is doing has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's spirit. Amen. You have the mind of God Amen. in you. There is no reason for us to be this stupid. The mind of God, the all-knowing, all-seeing God is in you. And we just are so confused. We can't believe that God is pleased with us on that regard. Lastly, we worship in spirit. Did you guys get the first three? three. (laughs) (laughs) Two Two two. is we know through the Spirit. And three, we we receive revelation through the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Serve through the Spirit. We know through the Spirit. Receive revelation through the Spirit. And we worship through the Spirit. So the revelation that we know it does not come from man. And when we're sitting here listening to, I mean, because you hear people speak and all that kind of stuff, that's, you know, God ordained. But the revelation you get is only from your spirit. God has to illuminate it in your spirit for it to click. That's why he can say, I Paul can say, I'm nothing. Apollos is nothing. Because if we're not doing nothing. Anybody can get up here and read these scriptures. If God doesn't illuminate each person, they walk away with nothing. That's right. Right. That's right. And that's why oftentimes we walk away with nothing because the spirit is not the one in control. And if the, perp- the person that's presenting wants it to be all themselves, they give more credence to their own words than the words of God then you didn't muddle the water for everybody else because you sitting here giving yourself off. God ain't got nothing to even illuminate. So we all walk away just as cold and with nothing. So John 4, 23. And, you know, worship has become almost like this slogan thing that's going around. You know, you get the worship music and worship, 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 and let's worship, and we worship, and all that kind of stuff. And worship can only take place when you're in relationship. It can be a beautiful song. You can shed your tears. You can speak in tongues. You can do all that stuff. But if you were not in relationship with God, no intimacies are being passed. And that's what worship is about. It's about you getting into where you can commune with God. It's not about you showing off that you got some language or you can do this or let me cry or you can be in commune with God not a tear drops from your eye. Right. You don't have to buck and run and scream and yell. You can be absolutely silent. And it's just the spirit doing the spirit work because remember we can't do this within ourselves. And that's the beauty, truly, of, of being able to speak in tongues. And I sure wish people would give this off more than making it a debate about something we fight about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to speak in tongues. You better speak in tongues. You ain't got this because you ain't spoken tongues and da, da 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 If we would deliver the beauty of having a language that is just yours, yeah. mm-hmm. to be able to sit and talk with the Father yeah. when you have lost your words... Yeah. When you have nothing else to say, the spirit gets to talk to the spirit. The spirit gets to come in and say, let me restore you. The tongues is, a, is a, it's just your personal prayer language. And we make all our intimacies known. That's, that's terrible. When you are in a marriage, you got some personal stuff. That's just you and that person. Y'all don't dare enter it into the, the, in the masses all around. You keep that stuff private. You got a language that just you and your person have. You can pick up each other's last word. That's when you've connected. That's what it, that is with God. That was just a nice little added bonus to say, okay, now you know, because he knows we need little evidence. So the the speaking is just that little evidence just to make us feel good. He say, here, this is yours. Just between me and you. You don't have to parade it. You don't have to prove it to nobody. That whole thing of us making folks, you show me you got it. (gasps) That's between me and Jesus. I'm glad you're concerned, but... If, if or you know you need to check off to say that person got it, and we can say, "You saved now, <gasps> that was between me and Jesus. You took it away from that. How offensive for God that you made me have to throw this on somebody because you keep harassing them. You know you think of it. I run back in Red Acts 238 really slow because now I read everything, like, really slow. And it just fell on the people. It was an atmosphere that God was there, and he just fell on the people. Their spirits were open to receive. If we created atmosphere that God is there, whomever is open to receive the spirit will fall. Oh, no. We don't have to get you down there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm rushing the spirit. Let's just, let's just let it fall on me. Because then there's no human effort. And that's why you have so many people. I have talked to so many people who, uh, you know, the question, do I really have it? Because you know you were down there. Danger, and then your tongue get tied. And you, you, you know, was that Jesus then you got a whole language coming, and a lot of people don't really have it. Like, I haven't done it. I haven't spoken in a long time. I don't, that's because it didn't fall on you. Because you know that's a supernatural thing. When you're just sitting there and you're just like, well, Lord, if this is real, can you give this to me, and it just falls on you, you can never say that was man-made. And we've taken out the power of that beauty. And we've made it, we've made it about us. And it's so sad because then then we have the the fighting and the debating and the arguing about God. Don't you trust that the spirit is going where the spirit is supposed to go? That if I'm putting your path to tell you about the Jesus I know, that if the spirit is with that person, the spirit's gonna go to that person. I don't have to say what he had. when was the last time and you ain't got this. And you, oh, The Spirit said he will give me all truth. He would teach me all things. Oh, really? all right. So whatever needs to be taught and learned, the Spirit is going to do it to me. That's good to it. The Spirit, not you. Oh. Our witnessing oh. will look totally different Thank you. if we just trusted the Spirit yes. to go where the Spirit yes. is supposed to go. And that's why in the scriptures, you see, they were so angry about the fighting. Like, why are you guys fighting about Jesus? This was the good news. How did we get so lost? Casting folks to hell? Do we have that power? And putting folks in heaven, do we have that power? It's not an automatic thing because you decided to get baptized. That's still the Jesus work. It's all him. And if we just made it all him, see, we want the glory. It's that self. It's me saying my sect is the best. We got to hold on Jesus. Y'all don't know Jesus. You got to come here to know Jesus. You got to be in my group to know Jesus. And every denomination has that thought. thought. All the Baptists think that the Baptists got it. All the Kojiks believe the Kojiks got it. All the Apostolics, the Lord the Apostolics believe the Apostolics got it. We all believe we have it. As if it's ours to have. Like we didn't see the division from the beginning. That was the devil that came in and made us fight about Jesus. The oneness. That was the devil that came in and made us not come together. And we were content with separating. We are Because it makes us better. Jesus' stuff, this is his stuff. These things that are on this these words are Jesus's. They're not ours. We don't have a foothold on God, not one of us. He gets to go where he wants to go. He gets to illuminate whoever he wants to illuminate. Come on now. Goodness gracious, we have so arrogant. It's so frustrating because this is simple. It's not complicated. You don't have to be a brainiac to get God. You just have to want him. That's And we didn't flip the words and twisted the words and made it all different. But this is what it's really saying. No, it's saying exactly what he wrote. These words is what these words are. You ain't got no extra hold. Good Jesus. So lastly, we worship in spirit. John four twenty three. He says, but the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very beings their spirit, their true selves in adoration. And what we've said this truth means is the apostolic doctrine. Worship him in spirit and truth. The truth is the oneness of God. The truth is the truth about who you are. Do you know that you are a sinner? That you are foul and messed up and it is nothing but the grace of God that's carrying you through. Nothing but the grace of God. Are you truly giving God yourself when you supposedly go to worship him? Are you showing him all of you? Or have you put on a facade? Talking to him like you don't even talk. Trying to be formal. No good will, you're not formal. Acting like you're so intelligent. No good will, you even know what you're talking about. Saying words, just because you heard somebody else saying, well, that sounds good, that's how we supposed to pray then. Why everybody pray the same when they get up? (laughs) No personality in the prayer? Everybody's the exact same. That's not being true. Everybody got to worship the same, so everybody hands raised. Get up now. Okay, this is the time when you're supposed to Move. There's a time we you're supposed to run. How could that be authentic? When we're all going through different stuff in our lives at different times. The place could be on fire if we all came to God in truth. If you're on a high time and everything's wonderful for you, then your praises are different. When you're down in the dumps and life has kicked you in the tail, you're feeling a little different when you come before God. It's no way we should all come to God the same way. That's not being authentic. That is not worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So we've made up a way that looks like worship. We're singing songs that we don't even believe. How are you going to sing a song you don't even have faith in and think that it's touching the throne? Watch what you're saying. Don't follow just because everybody else is doing it. Even in reading scriptures, well, Lord, I don't know if I believe that yet. I'm working on it. Help me. But this part, you know, I'm one with you. I'm having some trouble. I know you said it. Not seeing it. So help me get to where I'm supposed to go. Don't you trust he wants you there? So he's gonna give you what he needs to give you to get there. He can't help us because we just liars. Not we lie, but we are liars. Our whole lives are lies. We even lie to ourselves. We sitting there acting like we are so full of belief. We so trust and honor God. We don't believe him half the time. We don't trust him with all matters. Not with all matters. We figure some stuff we need to pick up and carry and try to figure out ourselves. That was mine. <laughs> yeah, that was mine. I mean, we need to be honest before the Lord. We can never move forward and grow. And, like, we all want growth. We all want to say, I'm growing in God. I'm getting better. I'm not where I was, you know, last year, da da da, da. Yes, we are. We just mask it in a different face. What have we really learned about ourselves and our relationship with God? How saved really are we? Not that saved at all. And what a blow to the self. Because we've been doing this. I mean, everybody here has been doing this for a long time. we actually worse off. Because at least beforehand, we weren't a bunch of just flat-out liars about self. We knew we was corrupt and messed up and da, da 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 Now we didn't put on, I'm holy. Be holy as God is holy. And we can quote the scriptures and we can do all that stuff. And we are just foul. But in admitting our foulness, it's the beauty. Because when we can admit we're foul and that's just who we are because we're just some corrupt sinners, then we fall on Jesus. And we say, I got to trust you to carry me the rest of the way. Because yes, Lord knows who I am, I can't make it. Can't do it. If it was up to me, we all just going to hell. And I'm finished.